All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Uh, these might be my two new favorite people in the world. Most inspirational, most amazing geniuses how did we get an interview with these i don't guys? know and at the end they're like we listen to your podcast i was like <laughs> why so ridiculous today we have anna and anil menon who are actual astronauts like Astro like real ones active astronauts we we asked them and looked this up too there are 42 active astronauts right now yeah and we sat down with two of them. They're married. Yep. What are the odds of that? But Anil is SpaceX's first flight surgeon, and his wife, Anna, is a lead space operations engineer at SpaceX. And Anil was just announced and named as a NASA astronaut, which is even crazier. And Anna is going on Polaris Dawn space mission. Yeah. She like tells the story. <laughs> Can you believe what, I don't what know. just happened? I don't know. Um, Anil is also a pilot, like a really good one. Um, anyway, let's just say yeah. that this couple is super smart and they had a lot of interesting things to share. We talked about space. Yes. We talked about how they got to where they are, but also there's a lot of carryover into parenting. Yes. And we talked about their physical fitness uh, achievements and routines. It was great. I think some of the, my biggest takeaways, too, with them was just their philosophy and outlook on parenting in taking risks and fostering interests and passions with themselves and with their kids and exposing their kids to so much. It was, I loved it. I did too. Let's just say this interview was out of this world. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Anil, Anna, thank you so much for your time. We hope you listening enjoy. If we want to find out more about what these two are up to, we'll link their information down below. 
Would highly recommend it. Yeah. Would highly recommend it. And we got the approval to call them friends. So thank you guys. <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoy this one with Anna and Anil Minnan. Anil and Anna, it is so nice to meet you. This interview has been months in the making. I am I am extremely nervous. I'm also super excited. <laughs> I feel like you are every child's hero. You're every yeah. You're every adult's hero, <laughs> yeah. even. You're my hero. I'm literally being Anna's costume for Halloween. <laughs> And it's pretty awesome. But we, how are you guys today? We are great. And we are just so grateful to get to be here. So happy to get to talk to you both. Thanks for having us. Oh, man. Yeah, super excited. I, I also want to correct my husband for calling Anna's uniform a costume. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, we just started our yeah. stuff. <laughs> yours is a, Andrew, yours is a costume. Hers is actually a professionally earned uniform. I am so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the other point of clarification oh. was the intent to be scary on Halloween? Or? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What, is there a difference between the blue and the green? There is a difference. So NASA astronauts traditionally wear the blue flight suits for our mission we have traditionally i'm flying with the polaris dawn mission to space and we have traditionally worn black flight suits they're more spacex colors right more sp- so. yes mm-hmm. i think it's like football okay <laughs> i feel like we've interviewed like musicians and athletes and stuff and to me i'm like oh yeah yeah that makes sense i feel like when you're in kindergarten and people are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? We all say astronauts. How did you guys actually get there? You pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I I was the kid who wanted to do it super early on. I can remember being five and seeing this IMAX movie where it was called The Dream is Alive. And there was this astronaut going down a slide wire, one working in space. And I thought, that's the kind of job I want. It's full of adventure. People actually do that. And that job just transforms over your life. At times it seems out of reach. At times it seems like something that's a guiding light carrying me forward. Like I really want to get into Mm. STEM and science and do things that help me be better prepared, have an opportunity to do it. And I just stuck with it for a very, very long time. And, um, and I just kept thinking space was cool. And so when I graduated from college, I knew I wanted to do medicine, but I also knew I wanted to do space. And so I just tried to figure out how do you do those two things? Turns out there's doctors that work at NASA. And so I, I, I did it, learned more and stayed with it and finally had an opportunity uh, to fly. I didn't, didn't think uh like i thought it was low probability but just kind of followed my love and passion this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. sean and i have been open about our journey with marriage counseling and it's been really helpful for us we all carry around different stressors both big and small and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships i agree and therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down we've been meeting with the therapist individually and as a couple and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling which is hard to do when you're busy with kids BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. 
Are you looking for a short, educational, and entertaining podcast your kids can listen to while you cook dinner, fold laundry, or just need a few minutes to yourself? Then check out Mysteries About True Histories by Starglow Media. It's so, so cute. I listened to a few episodes, and when it was over, I was like, dang, that was really fun. It's made by the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and the Netflix show, Brainchild, so these people know what they're doing. As a little background info, every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning really cool. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. So it's perfect for kids ages six and up. There's a new episode every Thursday, each filled with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's honestly the most inspirational message I feel yeah. like you could give where it's, you know, it seems like it's far off, this massive big goal, but you keep putting one foot in front of the other, I feel like, and, you know, one act or getting involved in one way leads you to the next thing and you slowly chip away. I mean, from start to finish... In your career, how long has it taken you to get to this point, like with this as the focus? 45 years when I got selected. Wow. Oh, no. I suppose if you count it, I started at six, maybe 39 years. But wow. I think, uh, I think it, actually that's a true story for most of the folks that I work with and most of the astronauts because the age of selection is in the 30s in general. Um, it, you know, it varies. People are under 30. People are over 40. I was over 40. Um, but they definitely just put in, um, followed their dream for a long, long time and, and grew in that and what they were good at. So I would say for me, in, during the medical pathway, that's four years of medical school, three years of emergency medicine, a wilderness fellowship and aerospace fellowship is another three years. And then, um, and then just working within the, the field and working at some commercial companies, working at NASA as a flight surgeon. Um, was was the rest of the time, but it was never. It, it was just a joy to do a lot of that because it's just it's so cool, and I think it's such an important uh, field for society. Dude, I'm so glad that humans like this exist. <laughs> it just gives me hope to a whole race. It's like man, first, if, if, it all goes, <laughs> if things go south, I want to kneel in my corner. Yeah, he's gonna know all the. He's gonna know how to fly me out of the situation. And know how to heal he knows me. everything. So goes, uh, wilderness. What is a wilderness fellowship? I want to do that right now. Oh man, you, you totally should if you like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can. It's it's doing medicine without all the resources that you normally have. So working in the Himalayas, if someone gets hurt there, you don't have a CT scan. You gotta figure out how to improvise, make a splint out of some handkerchiefs, kind of like. Uh, those things. And you could totally do it. They have uh, wilderness first aid courses anyone can take and they teach those kind of skills. Knowles is another example of a, wow. a leadership course that's in the wilderness that you learn those kind of things. It's, it's a lot of fun. Now, Anna, how did you find yourself here? <laughs> <laughs> I also have a story of following my passion for a long time. So I first fell in love with space when I was in about fourth grade. I grew up in Houston and so was exposed to NASA and human spaceflight from a very young age. I had the chance to go on a field trip to 
experience a day in the life of an astronaut and a flight controller. And we spent half the day as one and half the day as the other. And so served in mission control and then served in the spaceship. And for me, that lit a fire in me to contribute to this industry and want to be a part of it with my career. And so I just followed that love for years. So as I went along in school, I pursued industries that I was interested in. So I got a, a degree in college in math, and then I got a master's degree in biomedical engineering. And I loved math, and I loved medicine, and I loved engineering, but I also carried with me this love of space. And so that whole time I was trying to figure out how to meld all of these interests together. And I was then so excited to get a job at NASA coming out of grad school where I got to be a biomedical flight controller for the International Space Station. And what that did was that it was this wonderful blend of all of these interests. And I was so thrilled to get to work there for seven years and be a part of the industry. And I was just so happy to get to, to contribute. Um, and after that, I moved over to SpaceX where I've now been an engineer for about five years. And the whole time getting to contribute to human space flight, work in mission control as a mission director there, develop operations that our astronauts do in our capsules, and the whole time just pinching myself because I just love this industry so much and feel so grateful to get to be a part of it. And, um, you know, carried with me this childhood dream of, of flying to space, but also just so grateful to get to be a part of the industry. And one day, um, I went into a meeting and out of the blue, they asked me to fly to space on the Polariston mission to space. And as one of the, the first times, the first time that SpaceX will ever fly its own people, its own engineers as a part of a mission. Um, and I was just floored, shocked, and but just so grateful. And it, it, it reignited that, that childhood dream in me. And I have just been so shocked at the you know the turn of events over time but forever grateful to get to be a part of this in industry in any way shape and form all along the way you walked into this meeting not knowing what is about and you walked out going to space yes. <laughs> can you tell us more about this like what did they say was there confetti was there a gift bag was there like a hype video i didn't even know more well they put meeting on my calendar, um, I had I had contributed to a mission previously at, as a part of SpaceX, as an engineer at SpaceX, called Inspiration4, which was the first all-civilian mission to space under the commander, uh, Jared Isaacman. And I'd been a part of that mission, and um, they put a meeting on my calendar saying, hey, we want to debrief some lessons learned from that meeting and talk about some future future thoughts. And I walked into this meeting and Jared was sitting there and my boss was sitting there and a number of other people. And we are, you know, chatting for a few minutes. And actually just three days prior, Anil had been announced as a NASA astronaut. And so we talked a little bit about that. And then very quickly they said, hey, would you, would you like to fly to space on the Polariston mission? And <laughs> I... I remember my heart just started beating so fast and I was so shocked, um, so grateful, obviously. And, um, you know, so many emotions all at once. Told them thank you, went home, talked to my family about it and very quickly thereafter said yes. Okay, I have so many questions. Oh my okay, so first, oh my forgive me for being, for not knowing this, but 
Well, have you have either of you been to space yet? Not no. yet. Okay. Oh, okay. Even better. <laughs> so, <laughs> the dynamic between you two, you're married. You have two children. Correct. You walk into a meeting and you're told you're going. Mm-hmm. How does that register for you guys being parents, spouses? How, like, how do you digest that information from being excited? All of it. Yeah. You know, I think we, we are really thoughtful about this. Um, we have a, a really big philosophy in our family of open communication. So, you know, first and foremost, we took it back home and talked about it. We talked about it with our family, talked about it a lot with each other, and we continue to, to this day. Um, and I think that one of the things that has been a really strong aspect of these decisions for us is that we have a tremendous amount of trust. We have both spent years working at NASA and years working at SpaceX. And so we have seen how people develop hardware, software, operations, fly missions. We have great faith in the processes that are used. And so that allows us to move forward carrying a tremendous amount of trust. But I think you know, on the personal emotional side, I think there is a universal change that happens in you when you become a parent. I think you become much more aware of your mortality, your legacy, the fact that it's not just you in the world or even you and your partner, but you have kids, you have these little people in their futures. And so I think we carry that and take that responsibility really seriously. Um, And, you know, at the same time, I think hand in hand, we recognize that there are some passions that are worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. And it's important to show our kids what it looks like to follow your passion. And so, you know, one way we have done that is we've integrated our kids into this experience. We have shared it with them as we are navigating the journey. I got to bring them to some training where I was flying in fighter jets with my team, learning, you know, fast paced decision making communication skills. And Nils brought our kids to um, some spacewalk training where he's been in a spacesuit in the giant pool at NASA moving through the operations. And there's kind of two goals for this. One is for the present. It's a way that we are able to help them wrap their heads around what's going on and learn the whys, the what's. But then we are also always thinking about their futures and in trying to introduce them to all sorts of different aspects of the world around them so that hopefully along that journey, sparks get lit in them, just like one did for me as a little girl, that Mm. helps them figure out what their passion is in this world so that they can follow that with their lives. Anil, are you aware of how many astronauts there are? (laughs) (laughs) Total, like, lifetime, or I think 600 people have flown to space um, total. Uh, Right now in our astronaut group, there's around a little over 40 total astronauts uh, that are called active astronauts working at NASA. Some of the retired ones are doing different things in management at NASA or industry. And how many are there at SpaceX? Anna? So current there are there have been two SpaceX engineers who have been chosen to go to space and it's myself and uh my my colleague named Sarah and we are both flying on this Blair Stock mission. So so two. <laughs> so you try, so you're telling to, me there you trying to say? <laughs> well, I'm 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 doing the the mental math right now. So there's 42 active astronauts in this country of or call it 400 million people. The odds of I that, I, I, I also and needed calculator help, but it's, <laughs> um, the odds of becoming an astronaut are point 
zero 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 nine seven five. That's what I was thinking. Think about that. <laughs> but yeah. And then I, the odds of two of them ending up married yeah. is just astounding. Did you guys meet within the program? No. We you want to yeah. tell them yeah, how we met? Sure enough. We we worked at NASA at one point, both of us together at the same time in Houston. Um, but we met somewhere else at a Oscars party. That's uh, not the actual Oscars, but a party someone was throwing that was kind of like the Oscars <laughs> and we were the pseudo people. So picture me, oddly enough, we were talking about blue, but I was wearing a powder blue tuxedo, two gold chains that cost $14 from Amazon, some run DMC glasses and a purple Kango that I had from maybe like my nineties rap era, um, Wow. And I was pretending to be a rapper at this Oscars thing and talking to someone and Anna walked in and they were doing these fake interviews as people walked in and I walked up to her because she was this amazing, uh, wonderful woman and threw my arm around her, invited her to my rap concert that was going to happen at the Toyota Center. <laughs> and she just rolled with it, which really surprised me. And when I figured wow. out that she worked at NASA, the deal was uh, sealed. I was like, this amazing person also shared some interests and we really got along. And so um, I remember there was this Call Me Maybe song out then. And I, I you know. Oh, I yeah. Carly Rae. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> good. Rebecca Black, it. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> and so I sent her a text right afterwards because I was like, this is it. I'm sure this is it. And uh, three days later, and we had been at NASA, never met each other. They put us at a space station simulation where you're trying to fix space station as it's flying out of the sky we were sitting side by side at work so clearly we were meant to meet um and so i, I thought to myself why resist it and luckily she agreed mm. and uh and we that was kind of the start of everything how wild of a coincidence is that though well how wild of a party does this <laughs> too it sounds like i want to go to a party with a nail it could be a good time um it is uh what I'm curious, as athletes, there's a lot of kind of tangible feedback yeah. that we got along our careers at each checkpoint, kind of like middle school to high school, high school to like varsity, even within high school, you go JV to, to varsity, varsity to college, you're either going D1, 2, or 3 in football. And then like it's slow. The My point in saying this is the the realization of if my goal is the NFL – the realization of that coming true really kind of starts to take shape pretty early and you kind of have a path laid in front of you. Yeah. Is it similar in, um, in your line of work? Is there, is there like a crystallization process that happens of like, Hey, this could be a real shot. Or is it literally, you know, you get a calendar uh, notification <laughs> and you're like, Oh, bam, bam. And like you're, <laughs> I'm curious about that. I stab at yeah. it. Um, so I think there is some general similarities, a really broad level, but um, but largely, I think Anna's story is a good example of you just follow your passion to some degree, and you can't predict some of these outcomes. But if you put yourself there, um, mm. things pan out. I think it was Louis Pasteur, maybe, or I could be misquoting, but um, chance favors the prepared and on some level mm. but the broad broad similarity is that 
that I've always held on to is just improving each day and finding a way to be a better version of myself in that work that I'm doing. And so I've always been one to just, as you did as an athlete, continue to grow, continue to figure out what that feedback chain is and where you need to go, but just do that within medicine, then do that within space medicine, and then mm. do that um, in terms of developing, say, the, the, the approach um, to flying people to space in a commercial space company. Um, and that was just a daily process of trying to do better. And there was tons of feedback out there. There was managers, mentors, people willing to help and, and help mm -hmm. guide that way. But it wasn't as clear cut a, a, of a reassurance that th this end outcome would be there. But I think it's more applicable to general everyday life. Everyone can yeah. find a pathway to really improve in their direction. And you just don't know what will happen at the end of that. I have kind of a two-part question. And I want to be gentle in navigating this. So I don't want to spark arguments here, okay? Um, <clears throat> you guys usually like opposites attract, right? But you guys are, are very similar in the sense that you, you're in very similar fields going after very similar dreams, is there any hardship in navigating that with each other and trying to support each other and it not being a competition of who's going to get there first? And do you find conversations at home being difficult because you basically are coming home from the same work day? Mm. It, it seems like we're very, we're in similar fields, but I think we're, we're very different in terms of personalities and that's very complimentary and it helps us a lot. Um, what we do value is shared time together. And we think it's super important for our relationship. So um, just spending that time really helps us build our relationship and helps us be there for our kids and spend time with them. So the things we do are very, are very similar, whether it's work or outside of work, but um, we're just really different. Um, and we find a way to bring that together. For example, Anna is a great salsa dancer and loves doing it, but I was always incredibly intimidated because she was on a professional team at Duke and super awesome at it. Um, but I went and I learned to dance on a daily basis, <laughs> like once a week or twice a week, and finally got to the point where we actually had our wedding dance in front of 200 people doing salsa, wow. and it wasn't embarrassing as I thought initially it would be. I think it went pretty well. And then um, she'll do things like I love doing um endurance exercises and i somehow convinced her on an anniversary to do a go ruck with me which was 12 hours of suffering in california and it was cold that day and we had to do burpees in the on the beach and get wet and sandy and um and i looked over and i could tell <laughs> she was on the fence about that decision <laughs> on an anniversary but she she did it and it's just kind of an example of her willingness to dive in there and and find something that we both love and do together but i think wow. in terms of you want to handle the second part in terms of i think to me all of that just speaks to like, we actually really value having shared interests and so for us it has always been incredibly additive whether it was you know, at work and we were getting to be just a couple cubicles apart. It just, it has continued to give us ways to, and opportunities to support each other, have shared friends, have shared challenges, speak the same language. Um, and so it has just 
given us a lot of opportunities for support to give an example. Um, we're no longer at the exact same workplace anymore, but um, I'm the medical officer on the Polariston mission, and he obviously has a background in medicine. And so it has given us this way of, even at home, um, you talked about you know our evening conversations, like, I come home and I have this little ultrasound handheld device that I will need to use in space. And so he is able to like teach me how to use it better, teach me the anatomy, um, help me improve. And so it's just a way that we have been able to continue to support each other and really grow together over the course of the years. That's wow. I love that. I, I, I've been thinking um, recently about how fortunate I feel to have Sean. I mean, we pretty much spend every second of every day together <laughs> and yeah. we kind of know what each other's capabilities are and what each other's weaknesses are as a result. And the idea of in a partnership like this, and it seems like you guys have a similar dynamic where there's a depth of knowledge that you each have and a platform mm -hmm in marriage that you can give like the truest, most honest feedback. The benefits of that is are, are phenomenal where it's like she can, the, the stronger I can um, take her feedback, the better I could take it um, means the better feedback I can give her. And that like the more input I can have, which then it's like a virtuous cycle of, of now we're just really making each other better and stronger. And it's like a responsibility and it can be very fragile, but when you are able to execute that well, I mean, look, maybe you'll end up as one of the 42, two of the 42. You guys have a monopoly on that whole business. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's insane. I can't yeah, believe that. Oh, man. Anyway. Wait, out of curiosity, are there any rules around, like, I know you guys are technically in different companies. Is that how I would say that? Okay. Um, but would they ever send like mom and dad or husband and wife at the same time? Typically, no, not historically. Yeah. Um, and I think just the way it will work out for the two of us, it, it even though we're in different places, um, it will we will not fly at the same time. I'm slated to fly within months from now, and he is his will probably be years down the road. So, yeah, and if that, that were an option, I would take us. A serious pause and think about it. Um, yeah. And right now, my initial knee-jerk reaction would be to not do that myself, just from a personal family standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of reading biographies and history, and I've been reading about the founding fathers and like reading Benjamin Franklin. And it's interesting. A lot of these guys, when they do pivotal things, they'll you know they have these journals and letters that they'll write, almost with the perspective that they know future generations will read them because what they're doing is so cool. Do you guys ever have those moments of reflection of like, we're going to be in history books. This is, <laughs> you know, your role, Anna, as a female astronaut mm -hmm. is, is incredible and so impressive. And your, your family will go down in history books it, between just the gravity of the situation. And then also having kids and what Sean was talking about earlier, like that, that responsibility and just having moments of pause to think about whether you want to accept the mission or not. Do you, how often, how do you guys embed reflection in your, in your life? That's a great question. Um, I think that for both of us, we both do a lot of journaling and, mm. 
you know, not, I think a lot of it is, is solely for the sake of capturing memories um, Mm -hmm. and really like trying to learn from them. But, you know, I think that as I have been, you know, on that journey of reflection, you know, some of the themes that stand out to me are that, you know, many people came before me, before us that Mm. were like kicking down doors to Mm. enable this door that allows me to get to do work that I love to even be open. And so this reflection has driven me to recognize that I work for a future in which our kids don't even know doors exist. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. What about you, Anel? I don't think about the future in that from that perspective in terms of uh, being notable or anything like that. I'm just trying to get the kids to bed <laughs> and stay calm. But, uh, uh, but I do do certainly reflection um, in terms of journaling, like Anna said, but it's been really helpful for me just to, uh, it unlocks some intuitive component of my self. And when I write about what I'm doing on a daily basis and a, a lot of that astronauts, and I think people do in general, um, it helps me align my intent with um, with that intuitive aspect of myself so mm. that I feel like, you know, I'm, I say things wrong all the time or make mistakes, but at least my intent was always aligned, you know, in the right direction to help people, to, to support those around me. And so I, I try to stay true to that. And that's, that's where that reflection and things help. That's beautiful. So moving on, because you both have the most fascinating people in the world and I've never felt more under qualified in my entire life. I don't even um, know how to ask questions. Same, like, I'm like, usually uh, when we do sports, I'm like, I know all of the things, but now I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I know you're also a pilot. Yeah. And a phenomenal one who's logged over a thousand hours. This guy just started. I think you're 80 hours. I in? got 80 hours. So how close am I to, be, <laughs> yeah. to being in like a, you know, like a fighter, fighter jet? Or... Yeah. Oh, you're right there. You just need <laughs> yeah. just a few more, or we could just give it a shot tomorrow. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> Was that something that you pursued to add to your resume going into like NASA and your astronaut life, or is that a completely separate hobby that you just fell in love with? I it 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 uh, I fell in love with it. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad took me on one flying discovery lesson in Minneapolis where I grew up, but he didn't have the money to support the rest of it. And that one flight was frozen into my brain and I mm. always wanted to do it. And there's this thing about flying. You either have the money, but no time, or you have the time, but no money. And so I was just trying to figure out how to do it. And I, in medical school, I started kind of scrounging together and paying my way through getting a a pilot's license and um it was just pure pure love in that that respect and uh it's been it's been a lot of fun um and now i get to fly in t-38s which is really cool and learn from some of the, what i consider the best pilots in the world and nasa's so good about training how to do that um that the the growth acceleration is super high in terms of flying and just working as a teammate in a two-seater aircraft so it's really cool um you should come I don't want to flex my 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 uh personal speed record 
is 210 knots. What would you say yours is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. My, uh, Mach 1.2, but. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is, is that like the combine? <laughs> the combine of uh, flying or something? Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he goes faster. You know those videos? You know what I'm thinking of? Like the, you know the, the videos they see of people experiencing G forces and it's like 10 G's <laughs> yeah. in like the face. Oh, man. Like this. Yes. You guys have done that? I have done that. I've I've done nine G's. Um, and what's really important is what access the G is happening in, because if it's through your chest to your spine, it oh, you can yeah. handle a lot of it. It just feels like a lot of pressure, but it's from your head mm -hmm. um, to your feet. You get really lightheaded because it's starting to suck blood out of your head. And that's when it gets it gets tricky. I remember in that G thing, it sucked enough blood out of my brain and my eyes that I saw a checkerboard for a little while. It was black and white and everything went black and white. So I think I was pretty Sweet. close to what they call a G lock or a G loss of consciousness. Yeah. But I, uh, I know that from Top Gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is silly, but anecdotally, like when Andrew signed up to get his pilot's license. Yeah. I remember being surrounded by so many people who were like m me, like myself, people would say you are crazy as a wife to allow like your husband to do something so risky yeah. with children. And like we jump out of planes. We love adrenaline. I hope we haven't you haven't gotten mock whatever. I don't even like um, being compared. Yeah. Oh, man. Even yeah. Conversation. Um, <laughs> but I am curious, like your, your relationship and your dynamics, like philosophy in life. I feel like you guys do very risky but very rewarding things, mm -hmm. not just in your career but in your hobbies, but just teaching your kids amazing lessons. How do you guys navigate when risk is too much? And how do you teach your kids how to kind of like find that balance? Because you guys are doing death-defying things that have such purpose in the world. Um. Well, you know, I think that, that it's always a conversation for us. It, we... we have a really open line of communication. And so we talk about these decisions a lot. Um, I will say that we also believe that some passions are worth pursuing. And so there is, there is good that comes from choices and um, the world is full of risk. And, and so, you know, if you are thoughtful and you are intentional and careful about the decisions you're making and go into them, understanding the, the technical background behind it, for example, like the trust that I talked about with um, our, you know, SpaceX and NASA, we have so much trust in the, the technical details behind it. It enables us and empowers us to make decisions incredibly well-informed um, and move forward with uh, a lot of thoughtfulness in those decisions. And I, I kind of, the only thing I would add is I think about that JFK speech at Rice when he was going to the moon and he said, we do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. And I think there are some things that are really worth doing no matter what. And for me and Anna, it's, it's this, it's, it's important to us and it's important to society, we think, and it is, it is worth the risk. Yeah. I, it's almost an insider outsider, uh, like fallacy or difference i i was just thinking about the stats of what it, the odds of becoming an astronaut and then the odds of you guys being married and it's like 
yeah, they're they're minuscule, but the pool, I guess, as you guys sat next to each other in NASA, if you look at it from the insider's perspective there, it's like, you know, how many people work at NASA? That pool goes from 400 million people in the U.S. to however many. And it's like, I think it's the same thing with my experience flying where it's like, it's not that crazy. I'm sure you guys know, like, there's certain procedures. You got to follow the checklist. You got to do X, Y, Z. And anyway, it's it's like two different perspectives almost. Two of my favorite moments with Andrew flying is his mom is adorable, but she about had a heart attack when she found out he was flying through rain. <laughs> and she about had a heart attack when she found out that you don't really have headlights when you fly in the dark. <laughs> I just thought it was so sweet and so cute. But I was like, mom. Luckily, yes, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I think you get at a certain, a, a super great, great aspect of it is preparedness. You know, we, yeah. in everything that I imagine you're doing as a pilot, there's a tremendous amount of preparedness. That is a, an aspect of it that that's on the front end. It's the reflection on the back end. It's the learning and the constant growth. And I think we apply that same thing in the things that we're doing. We train a tremendous mm -hmm. amount to go to space to prepare, not just for the normal, but for the contingencies. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, that preparedness is a, is a huge aspect of it. Which leads to risk mitigation. Because, Andrew, if you lost yeah. an engine, you would know how to land it in a, a grass field. And probably right. imagine feel pretty comfortable doing that. So... Um, yeah, I think we can work towards that end. Do you? <laughs> not not a T thirty eight. No one's gonna land a T thirty eight in the grass. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, so speaking of training, I want to talk about the physicality of it because I'm always super curious about that. Sean and I did this kind of a joke I of a YouTube mean... video where we trained like astronauts. Yeah, and love that. I, I am. I, I know that Anil's done. Iron Man, you've done a full Iron Man, is that right? I have, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about the Go Rucks. Obviously, you did that with Anna. Um, what is the physical component to it? I want to know two things. One, like the genetic aspect. So, with the G lock, is is there anything that you feel like you're genetically advantaged with in regards to dealing with things like that? But then also with your training to go into space, what does that regimen look like? What are you guys preparing for? Uh, from like a muscular or skeleton standpoint as well as nutrition. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest aspect of the physical training for me is actually the mental toughness aspect of it. Mm. It's, it's that I choose to do those things because they put me in an uncomfortable position and exercise and training is a good way to get there really fast. You can get uncomfortable um, in a day or in, in an hour, depending on how you're pushing yourself. And then you can apply some skills that are critical for the training. And those are mental toughness things like, is it positive self-talk? Is it uh, reframing mm. the situation or breathing to, to counteract stress? Uh, an astronaut told us that when you make a mistake in space, you have 0.3 seconds to have an emotional response and then you got to get over it and you got to solve the problem and move on because it's that time critical and important and that kind of physical training trains the mental training that allows mm -hmm. me to feel comfortable that i can do those things um th there is a huge aspect of space that's totally different than gravity and just transforms people's 
uh, physiology um, and that we, we could talk for days on that, but some of the, some of the things in terms of um, you're losing 10% of your muscle mass, your VO2 max is going down 10%, you're getting bone mm -hmm. loss. It could be 3% uh, a month if you're not counteracting it with exercise and space. Every single system of your body is altered by space. And, the, and we're wow. doing so much research on it so that when we go to the moon, when we go to Mars for three, three years or a long period of time, we can figure out how to do that better and actually perform in those environments. What about you, Anna? In terms of the physical preparations, we have done all sorts of training for spaceflight. So for example, um, they put us through a centrifuge, a centrifuge on the ground to tr teach your body those G-forces that we were talking about earlier, what those will feel like on the ascent and the re-entry profiles that we would experience in a spacecraft so that you adapt and get ready um, for that environment. But I, I would second Anil in that a huge aspect of the training is the mental side. And so mm. the teaching of your brain to be ready to execute and focus under high stress, high consequence environments. And so, um, for example, one of the things that we have done as a part of our training has been to skydive. We went skydiving with Sick. the U.S. Air Force Academy, and it's um, the only place in the world where you jump out of an airplane on the first time solo. And so they, but they enable this by putting you through rigorous ground training and you drill and memorize um, normal and contingency procedures. And then you're put to the test to make sure that you are ready before you go up in that airplane. But then you get up in that airplane and you certainly feel all of the, you know, mm. the normal feelings that you would feel when you're about to jump out, which is a stress response and, and nerves. And, but then you train your body by letting go and then you just move into execution move mode and you you know go through the motions pull your parachute navigate back to the drop zone land safely and i would say that experiences like that really have drilled in us firsthand how to stay calm and cool under pressure and focus and execute procedures in that those sort of high stress scenarios that we, one might encounter in space does that carry over into home life like you know during bedtime when the kids are screaming, are you, are you able to separate emotions? <laughs> That's a big harder. Yeah. You know yeah. That. yeah. We're in the phase with our four-year-old where bedtime is like a 30-minute negotiation. Oh, my God. And it's just like by the end of it, I'm like, I, I don't know how to talk to you anymore. <laughs> it's time. I think that's when teamwork comes in. Tap out next yeah. year, next person. I will also say, at the very most beginner level, one of the coolest things we've ever done, which makes me respect you guys a million percent even more, was we got to do the anti gravity jet. Oh that's yeah, so zero cool. G that was so cool. Was I was just up there doing flips. Yeah. I think you almost puked your brain. But oh my gosh. Normal. It was so <laughs> sick. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm so glad y'all got to do that. I think that's just one of the coolest things on earth. And for what it's worth, is 70 percent it... of people that so in the ballpark of 60 to 70 that fly to space get nauseous. So it it's totally normal. It's normal. Don't worry about wow. it. <laughs> well, it also didn't help. He was looking through a camera the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> It's a bad strategy. <laughs> yeah. Did you even have a tougher stomach that you were yeah. able to do yeah. that? <laughs> Probably.
I I have I I love that and I've never connected these two feelings before but uh, reflecting on you know uh, I was a long snapper which is yeah. we get it's like a kicker you get very few plays but each one is high pressure and just that feeling of your palms are sweaty you got you got like that anxiety in your chest or whatever and it kind of feels tight but then breathing through it and like mm-hmm. dealing through it. I actually feel that as a parent as well, where, you know, our son is doing something risky, but it's, it's not dangerous. It's just, yeah. you know, I could end with him bumping his head or whatever. And you feel that sweaty palms, tight chest mm-hmm. and separating the emotions from the feeling is, um, I don't know if it's, I, I, I think it's a good thing to, to be able to have a grasp on that, but on that note, do you guys have counselors or therapy like for the mental aspect of things? Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found Skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from Skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop-down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. At NASA, we have a pretty robust, we call it behavioral health support team. And they're doing a couple things. They're both helping do research um, on psychological aspects of space. Um, and th- there's just a lot of that ground to break and things to learn about. But they're also available to help us um, think through situations. And one of the things we is super important is just great teamwork at at NASA. So you have this team of people and you're going to be in the same small space station for six months to a year with the, with your two other teammates, maybe seven other people. Um, and so you got to make things work. It's, it's like a relationship and how do you make things work? You already, um, talked about some of those things, but it's really to have a good communication pathway, even when things, um, well, even when they're small things, it's worth bringing them up, talking about them, figuring out how to resolve the micro conflicts because it builds skills in that team for the bigger conflicts and helps avoid those because you don't want those in a small environment. And the BHP people um, can can be there to help you think through how to um, how to approach those conversations, be better at them. They go to a lot of our team training with us and they help us use a feedback mechanism and provide a structure that we can use in those kind of situations. This felt, this feels like it would help at home as well. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I would wow. say a lot of the lessons we have learned at work, we apply at home. Uh-huh. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Write a book. I want to learn more. About <laughs> <it>. Honestly. <laughs> yes. Well, it just seems like, it seems like there's such an amazing, like holistic approach to what your guys are, 
do, which I feel like is lacking in so many other fields, but it, it makes sense. Like you would want to make sure every aspect of your life is in control and a healthy situation before you are sent off to space. Um, one more little tidbit that I find absolutely fascinating. And I have a hypothetical question that is probably ridiculous and out of some sci-fi movie, but I know you're the first flight surgeon. Is that correct? First flight surgeon at SpaceX. Um, okay. Yes. How do you do surgery in space? <laughs> Good question. It's a misscalpel. Term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the the short answer is that it's it's worth noting that flight surgeons are doctors in the military or aviation, so it's mm -hmm. a misnomer. It just means doctor. So it's like, okay. But how do you do surgery in space? <laughs> People have thought about this a lot, and it, it's mm. it's really tricky, um, <laughs> mainly because it's going to go all blood's going to go all over the place, and Everywhere. how do you con contain the scalpel and all that stuff you talked about, <laughs> or how do you do it when you don't have an expert out there? So one of the more interesting things I've seen is if someone gets appendicitis, one percent chance on your mm -hmm. way to Mars. Let's say it's six months there, eighteen months down, and six months back. How do you, with a 15-minute delay, talk someone through doing an exercise like that? Um, you can do it in stages. Um, so they have, NASA has a great telemedicine team. You can go up to the point of incision, opening someone up and have a hold point there. Mm. You need to deal with the blood and the floating. Um, and, and then you move to the next step and you get feedback and pictures. And then you move to the next step. Wow. So you can do it in a stepwise fashion uh, when you do that. Wow. Let's hope nobody gets appendicitis. There was yeah. one guy in uh, Antarctica in 1960 who got appendicitis and he took out his own appendix. He was a Russian surgeon. Yeah. That's crazy. That's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Wow. Wow. Um, what are you each most excited about right now? I think I am... You know, I am most excited about, I grew up the daughter of a geologist and a paleontologist, and I, um, they took us on trips to explore the world around us by like licking rocks to identify them and things like that. And, but what they taught in me is a love of science that inspired me to go into science. And so I think what I am most excited about is um, getting to share that love of science and our world, our universe with the next generation. And, you know, mm -hmm. as we were talking about, there have only been about 600 people to go to space, less than 100 of those have been women. So the opportunity to the responsibility of doing it right and really helping to share that with the next generation so that they can can explore further and not have any doors holding them back and just, you know, carry our future forward, I think is, is one of the things I'm really excited about. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm also really excited about the future. The cool thing about being in space is you can see that science fiction unfolding and you're really close to it. So NASA is going to the moon very shortly with the Artemis two mission and sending women and men to the moon. And then they're going to go to Mars and that's not too far away. And 
there's this commercial program that's exploding with different companies and there's more and more opportunities for different people um, to fly to space so that I think in our kids uh, era, when they get to the point, they'll have so many opportunities to do cool things. And for, as a doctor, mm -hmm. the, the best part is with all these different people flying to space, that's more medicine, more understanding of medicine and microgravity, of surgeries in space, of things like that, that need to be developed, researched and done. So the opportunities for the future doctors, medical students, residents, nurses, um, EMTs, it's just, it's going to be unbelievable. And so I think that really gets me fired up. It, it might be overlapping answers, but why is space exploration specifically important to each of you? Like what benefit can non-astronauts, you know, my feet will probably always be on earth's crust and what, what does it do for the average person? Yeah. <clears throat> for the average person, it has a huge impact. NASA helped cultivate the commercial crew program. And what has that led mm. to? It's led to telecom in space that soon you'll be able to contact people and, and have internet access in any part mm. of the world, which is going to affect people's lives and health. You can do telemedicine mm. anywhere. Um, to mm. underserved communities in different places. It's lowered the cost of ultimately launched to space. So there's more um, satellites, knowledge of the earth and knowledge about the climate. Um, one of the huge thing that NASA does that a lot of people aren't aware of is study, study the climate and give us data so that we can make informed decisions about it. Most of the data mm. you see or have is from those NASA programs. And I think one of the biggest things is just inspiration. I don't know. Mm. It's so hard to predict what pathway I would be on if I wasn't drawn forward by um, space and science as a kid. And I know there's, there's millions of kids with the same dreams that are getting into things that are just going to benefit society. So I think it just pays forward. There's a huge return on investment that's probably hard to calculate. Mm -hmm. If you just looked at the raw numbers, it's probably like three to one in terms of dollars spent, but it's pretty incredible. I, I agree. I, 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 um, just Anna's response earlier about the realization that other people have opened doors for her and her goal is to do the same for future generations. I think there is something about pushing the limits of what we're aware of or capable of, um, as individuals, you know, like with your fitness and health routine, but also as a society with technology and all of these different issues you just realized. And it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm kind of into racing. I grew up in Indianapolis with the Indy 500 and you look at the race cars, you're like, oh, that's cool. But why, like, how does that impact my daily life? And it's like, well, yeah, but in, in the art and process of preparing a car to go 230 miles an hour for three hours, that that pushing of the boundary informs the less intense um, daily life of, of me. Was that a good analogy? Sean, Sean, that, that was a analogy. good analogy. I worked at Indy 500 as a doctor once. Of course you did. And I mean, like, <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? I, I'm not surprised at all. But it was great wilderness <laughs> and like extreme <laughs> training. The, the number of G's uh. that those people undergo and the science that is implemented behind it to understand that 
makes the auto industry safer, makes healthcare yes. safer. There's a lot of tentacles yeah. that you don't actually see from those things. So I think it's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna... just fascinated. <laughs> you guys are the most fascinating, amazing, talented couple we have had on the show. And it has truly been an honor to talk to you guys. And I just keep thinking about our four-year-old daughter wakes up every single morning and coming from two athletes, this is just different for us. And we're trying to foster it as much as we can, but she wakes up every single morning asking to do science experiments. That's all she wants to do. That's so cool. We have gone through two boxes of 75 experiments from national geographic already. And we're on round five of them. And (laughs) it's just amazing to see you guys and to see how a fascination and a passion of science can truly change the world. So truly, thank you. I mean, you are role models to us, to our babies and to everybody. So it's truly an honor. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. I think we look up to you just as much. So it has been such our honor to get to talk to you and and have this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, I agree. We like to listen to your show. And so I think it's important to have these kind of conversations with different people and we can learn from each other. So it's awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, whether you guys are on board or not, I'm going to call you friends. I'm going to brag about having (laughs) you guys as friends. Wrong. But thanks for the time. I am so excited to follow each of you, and um, we'll be in touch. Maybe we'll have to have a follow-on show, but thank you. Thank you Thank you. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners. And some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search couple things and tap our shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way, you'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.